It's time for the one show that takes a look at business from a different perspective. The Coaching Perspective with Master Certified Business Coach, Doug DeFeller. Hey, Doug. Hey, Paul. Glad to be with you here in studio today and uh, uh, glad to have a pretty face with us, too, rather than just yours, Paul. (laughs) (laughs) Wow. Ouch. (laughs) Well, look, welcome to today's episode of the Coaching Perspective radio show. I'm a Master Certified Coach by the International Coach Federation, and I've been coaching leaders and their teams for 21 years, helping them to clarify their objectives and reach their goals. If you'd like to know more about my coaching services, just go to my website, thecoachingperspective.com. Well, our guest for today is Michelle Hensley, founder and CEO of Nifty Package Company, and her topic is When Life Gets a Redesign. And based on her personal experiences, she's going to share with us how to approach major transitions that occur in your life, how do you know you're on the right track, and what and where can you find help so you don't have to do it alone. Welcome to the Coaching Perspective Radio Show, Michelle. Hello. How are you, Doug? I'm great. I'm so excited to have you on the show. I I sometimes don't get to meet the guests very much, but you and I had coffee some weeks back, and uh, right. I got a little glimpse into your life and was totally fascinated. I loved it. It was great spending time with you and getting to know you as well, and oh. I thank you for the opportunity. Oh, we're going to benefit, and the audience is going to benefit. So... Let's launch in. Tell us a little bit about how you got here. Well, uh, as you are aware, but maybe the audience is not, I lost my husband to cancer about three and a half years ago. Prior to that, I was a counselor for about nine years. And then also during that time, I was running a nonprofit. So when he passed away, I was faced with what am I going to do with my life? And I was 50 years old. So am I going to go back into corporate America or what really am I going to do? I, what I ended up doing was taking a break and um, took a sabbatical for a short bit and then just recaptured my calendar and my time. Then during that time, I was facing whether I was going to go back to work or not. And I'd already um, rewritten my resume and updated it. Then... Actually, you know, faith is a a very important part of my life. And so during that time, I really took time to pray and then just kind of wait. But um, the wait is the trick, isn't it? It is. It's the hardest Wait for the answer. Don't just ask. Right. And I really wasn't sure what to do. I was really at a dilemma or a crossroads. Um, I think the easy part would be to go to work for myself. But I'm sorry, would be go to work for somebody else. Yeah. Um, But then that wouldn't align with the mission and values that I had for my own personal life. So during that time, I was offered a couple of very, very good positions, great pay, but I was struggling with the fact that they were working 60, 70 hours a week for someone else. And I have a very large family. I have seven children. I have nine grandchildren with the 10th one on the way due the next week. Whoa. (laughs) And I had a daughter-in-law who's a, she's a type one diabetic and we have a, had a baby that was going to be due, um, a few months later. So I did what any red-blooded American woman would do or any woman in the world. And that would be lay down and cry because <laughs> I didn't know how to solve the problem. <laughs> you, you, no, uh, you, women aren't the only ones that do it, but they are the only ones who admit it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I did that more than once. Anyway, so during that time, my children came to me, a couple of sons of mine, and they said, Mom, why don't you consider 
working for yourself. So that's how the process started. Oh, that is amazing. You know, I would imagine it is really difficult when you are struggling to recreate yourself, to take on, a, you, you need a new job, mm-hmm. and you get offered good paying jobs. Mm-hmm. And you turn them down because they don't seem to fit. If you're offered lousy jobs, it's easy to turn them down. Right. But I imagine it was more difficult to turn down the good jobs. It, it was. Um, January, my husband passed away in May 2014. So in January, I'm very goal-oriented and mission-oriented. I'm a strange type B personality, but I'm very systematic in my goal setting. And I, the first thing I did was I sat down and rewrote out my mission for life because now I'm a single person and I'm, I'm no longer a pastor's wife. I'm not running a nonprofit. I'm not counseling. And so my entire identity changed at that time. So what I did is I started with what do I really want out of life and what's important to me, even though maybe I didn't have the resources for that or the time or whatever. I just wrote down exactly what I wanted to see happen. And then when those opportunities came along and they didn't fit within that original mission, when it took me months to write that very well, then I realized that my conscience was, conscience was struggling. So that's how I was able to handle the fact that maybe I just need to work for myself again. Well, you just made an amazing statement. I mean, I, I do a, a lot of work. I've always done a lot of work with companies on their vision and mission statements. I haven't done that much work with people personally. Mm-hmm. on their mission statement and that really hit me when you and I talked before that whoa you had your personal mission statement this mm-hmm. wasn't a business thing it was right. a it was a life statement right. and that's exact I did that with my kids when they were about age 12 I made each of them write down life missions what they wanted to accomplish for that year what books they wanted to read and it would drive them crazy yeah, and I so, can see that. <laughs> Whoa. And I would say you need to write this a letter to your child and pretend like you're the parent and then write the letter from your experience at this time and write them a letter of wisdom to that child. And so every year they'd have to write those letters. I saved those letters. And then when my daughter-in-laws were having their children, I was able to read those letters during the wedding shower and, and it would, I'm sorry, during the baby shower and it would make everybody cry because it's like <laughs> this child was 12 writing this letter and, you know, both sons, their first daughters were named the, the daughter they wrote their letters to. So oh my gosh. Uh, it's really neat. So as a result of that, did uh, all of them decide they never want to read another book? <laughs> <laughs> They're actually reading books. It's amazing. One of them who's been my handful for reading, he told me he bought a book couple months back and I almost fell over. It's hilarious. <laughs> that is, I, I am so impressed with that. And you, and you know, if you don't have, as you know, if you don't have a vision, if you, if you don't know what it is you would like your life to be, mm-hmm. then it is really hard to see the opportunities as they come along that either will help you or that should be dramatically avoided. Right. One or the other. And I think, I think people are afraid to write down a mission. I think they're afraid to put themselves in a position where that is going to hold them accountable. But at the same time, it's such a positive to hold you accountable. So then when you make decisions for the rest of the next several years, you're going to line it up with your vision and your mission. 
And I do that very well in my personal life. And then those that are around me help me stay focused on the mission and vision of so the company. So you share it. Mm-hmm. Wow. That's getting... Uh, Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. <laughs> and one, one gal who's new, she's working for me now, um, she said, you know, I really appreciated your values and your mission. And it's like for someone to read it and have a thought about it and have an interest in working alongside me because of that is truly humbling. You know, and we, we do tend to gravitate or work harder for people who are, who we respect, mm-hmm. whose visions resonate with our values, right. but we don't really say them out loud. Very mm-hmm. few people share them out loud with other people. Let me ask you this, because yes. so many people are afraid of writing a vision or a mission statement because they go, well, you know, it's like it's going to tie me up. It's going to lock me into something and mm-hmm. I'm not sure. What's your thoughts about rewriting it every year? I think you should rewrite it every year. Every January, I rewrite my, my mission and my vision, and I just refine it. So if, you know, but it also takes a lot of thought going into it to begin with. And then, yes, you can make it shorter or you can make it bigger. It just, it doesn't matter. It's whatever defines you and your life. And I think a good starting point is what do you want people to say about you when you pass away? Like, what would be that great statement that you want? And if they looked into your life right now, is that what you want them to know you for? So that always helps me plan for my own personal mission. You know, one of the things I use, uh, the, the vision is, uh, to supplement the vision, is my eulogy. I, I found, I didn't write it, I found a poem that was written mm-hmm. that I've adopted as my eulogy. That is, I read every month when I prepare my billings for my clients. I read it to see if I'm being true to providing the service that I want to provide. Mm -hmm. But so I love, but I love the thought that you, you, it's not a static document. It's, it's a living document that has to be adjusted and revised. You know, we've asked all of our guests we've had on the show, what their, what their guiding principle is, what's Mm -hmm. their true North. And I, I think I might be able to guess here, but (laughs) what is it? My faith. Your faith. My faith. I have a belief in Jesus Christ, and I, I'm up every day at four reading the Bible, and I'm praying, and um, it's not a popular topic these days. It's quite, people have a lot to say about it, and they're very opinionated about it, but I'll just be quiet with mine, and I will seek God and pray for my family every day. And so then I also read my mission, and I read my vision every day and my goals every day so that can help me stay on track but my guiding principle would be would be god and um living by the word of god and principled living not legalistic living but mm-hmm. you know then i won't have boundaries uh, violated thank you, know. you for sharing that with us mm-hmm. i appreciate that i some people i'm reluctant to ask them those <laughs> questions and you've been so open in our conversations i knew it wouldn't be a problem for not you not a problem so that's wonderful well, look, okay, so now bring us up to date. What is it you're doing now? Well, what I started doing was corporate gifts. So what that is for, for me is I help strategize with companies. I take their branding, their mission, what they're trying to communicate, and then I show them how to gift or give thanks to others. Or, um, you know, sometimes it's just marketing. But um, I try to incorporate who they are in the integrity of that gift. 
I don't want to let I don't want to run past that because okay. I can stop because that that was a mouthful right there. I mean, <laughs> you know, when I think of hiring somebody to do gifts, I'm thinking, okay, they're going to tell me how big the basket should be, what color, and what should it be, fruit or wine or whatever. Mm -hmm. But you tie it into the company's objectives, yes, to their values, to their mission, to right. their. So it's more than just merchandising, isn't it? Right, and some some companies, it's a hard. Uh, thing to trans or um, to understand and the reason it's hard is because we've been so trained in promotional items we've been so trained to hear that people see your name and that's a real positive but it's tr truly they may say your see your name but what do you really do with that item when it's received if it's a cup do you put it in the cupboard do you put other people's promotional items in your cupboard so you kind of have to look at it from the client's perspective instead of you as the giver's perspective so it's like gifting learning how to gift properly so something that i use um is that if i have if my husband is going to give me a purse that i really like but it's got his name on the purse is that really a gift for me <laughs> <laughs> and people don't understand that they still have this thought that we need to be have promotional items and then there's this great story one of the gals who's one of my clients um she keeps trying to get her company to get away from some gift baskets and more into some nice gifting. Mm -hmm. You can still stick within your budget, but um, they did not want to do that. So they ended up going to a client meeting, and down on the floor, there were seven different gift baskets that had never even been opened. <laughs> so that's a case study I'm working on right mm -hmm. now. But the point is, is, you're not remembered because of that. Can you, can you, off the top of your head, give us an example of, of how you were able to blend a company's mission or values into their gift giving? Sure. There's a company I'm working with right now, and they're a benefits company, and they were a fun group to work with just because they're, um, everything is very, first of all, she's an amazing gal. The CEO of this company is just incredible. Uh, she happens to be on my Instagram. We did a, a blog post on American women in business. And very personable so her personality tied with the look of her company along with their organic they like their healthy is a big issue um their retention rate of clients is about 97 percent wow so there's a huge retention rate of employees and staff so just a really really well run organization so it was fun to look for um a gift for them and what i came up with was a marble cheese board because cheese boards and community is really important right now for people they're starting to come back into the home and re build relationship and um, so it was kind of built around community so then with that the marble cheese board that matched and had silver around it which matched her corporate feel okay. which is a lot of marble a lot of silver um, colors real real modern and so that's what we came up with and then um, pewter cheese tools as well and then on top of that would be cheese and crackers and fruit and different things and a little chocolate on there i, I keep encouraging people always gotta a have a little chocolate, chocolate. <laughs> a little chocolate everywhere <laughs> i don't care how healthy you are you gotta have a little chocolate <laughs> and we provide good chocolate okay okay wait let me change that excellent chocolate <laughs> yeah i was gonna say because i don't think there's any such thing as bad chocolate <laughs> <laughs> I don't either. it's all good <laughs> okay well look uh the producer's waving we're gonna take a quick commercial break here and then we're gonna come right back and launch into our topic great and we're back with uh, Michelle Hensley of Nifty Package Company, really of much more than Nifty Package Company. <laughs> Let me start out this section with an apology. I tend to make remarks without uh, thinking, and when we were starting and joking at the beginning, I said it was so nice to have a 
a pretty face here because I was looking at Paul and I look at him all the time. <laughs> and I just want to clarify that you are a lot more than a pretty face, but oh, thank you also. So if I've, uh, you know, uh, socially, uh, politically <laughs> incorrect there, I apologize. You're fine. <laughs> all right. Well, look, we were going to talk today about when life gets a redesign. What do you mean by that? Well, I think that life can be redesigned in a few different ways, either in my situation, it was a loss of a spouse as well as a loss of where I was heading and my children moved out. So other people can have loss of a job or uh, they want to transition. They just don't know how to do that. There can be divorce. You can lose a child, um, moving. So there's lots of different transitions. Becoming a parent for the first time, that's a new transition. So our life is full of these transitions. Mm -hmm. And what always strikes me is that we assume that we should be able to just blow through them without taking a deep breath. Right. And some of them, maybe. Others, not so much. Right. And I think, I think on the other side of it, because so many people don't know how to address it or just be honest with a person who's experienced that transition, that it's complicated for both sides. So sometimes it's just good to ask the questions, you know, how did you do that? How are you doing? What's happening in your life now? That's always a good way to handle it. And then realize that the other person can still be processing. It can take years to process change. But when you were going through the loss of your husband, you know, what was it that people would come up and say to you that was good? That was the right thing that gave you uh, strength and and let you go on. Yes, I'd say number one, we are here for you, and number two, that they remained here for me. Remained here for you. Yes, because I after think after the first visit, they yes. came back. <laughs> yeah, right. And I think you know, um, during the training for grief coaching that I went through, I there were several of us as widows, and we all had the same issues. Whether we were twenty-one, which there's someone who was working for me at twenty-one who lost her husband. And then there are others who are in their 40s or their 50s. We all ha walked away with the same problem and that was, or the same feeling, and that was people would say they were there and then they were gone because they just don't know what to do with you. Yeah. You don't even know what to do with you. So they're trying to figure out how to handle it. And it's easy to escape that. It's easy to, and, and The Widow, there's a great movie uh, with Jackie Onassis when, uh, for the, the day she lost her husband, and the process and the feelings she experienced and then having a new president and his wife come in and instantly you're, you are Got no longer moved out. Yeah. Right. And the feelings and the complication that that movie showed both sides. So it, it shows how strange you as the widow or that person in transition can feel. And on the other hand, sometimes a lack of compassion. Listen, we have to be honest about that because people don't know how to handle it. You know, and and there is, and I, I'll just, I, I've been guilty of it. It's so awkward, I just want to avoid the person. Don't know what to say, mm -hmm. and I make up excuses. I'll give them space. I'll let them have mm -hmm. time. I mean, you know, what I'm really saying is I don't know what to right. do. <laughs> I'll stay home. <laughs> yes, and you know, that's so good because that's true, and then that needs to be dealt with because that's really how everyone feels or most people feel. And and all you can do is you can, you can keep inviting, even if it's two to three or four years later. And then by that time, there's freedom to talk. And then that person has freedom to talk, you know, and share. 
and realize that you really were there. Because again, like I was saying, you just don't even know your own feelings. And so it takes a good year to process that. And then another year to kind of figure out who you are. That's why I think it's a great recommendation to do nothing for a year if you've lost a spouse or a significant other. Just don't make any major changes. And um, then slowly, you know, make changes because you will have to do that. I was doing some reading about people facing retirement. And and it was uh, relating it to the loss of a spouse. Same Mm -hmm. between retiring and leaving your career, if you're committed to a career, Mm -hmm. not just a job. But that the closest thing to that is losing a spouse. And it Mm -hmm. was saying that you should give yourself two years. Mm-hmm. And it said that so many people, their problems are magnified because they think they should, and the people around them think they should get over it, deal with mm-hmm. it, move on. And and people aren't ready. They're not they aren't ready. ready. Well, I had a situation where um, my father was coming back from Florida to, to come and see me for the funeral, and he was very upset that I wasn't housing him in my house while I had seven kids in my house. Everyone was there and coming and going, and it was a really stressful time. And so he just didn't realize that I needed that time with them, these children. Mm-hmm. And then so it's, you know, it's like the whole just get over it. The funeral's today. You knew he was sick. Um, and you can't, it doesn't happen that way. You know, it takes takes a little time to process. Okay, so... So we're encouraging people to to be there for you and to continually be there for you. Mm-hmm. You yeah. don't have to do anything to over do anything. and above. You can just invite them to dinner or have a coffee or this doesn't have to be anything spectacular, you know. Okay. What else can you do? What else did you do that helped you through these transitions? I I listened to a lot of people. I asked a lot of questions and at first, you have a hard time believing in yourself because now you're by yourself. You you know, you're not having coffee with somebody like you used to. Or if you're at work or you're transitioning from retirement, do I have purpose? Do I have value? And I think you have to teach yourself that, yes, you do. At least for me, that's what worked for me. So I had to continually tell myself that I had value, that I was here for a reason. And so it wasn't just for my children. You know, you're, I'm not just there for my children, although they are a priority. Yeah. I'm here for something else. And so I just had to keep um, writing down affirmations, to be quite honest with you, because a thought would come in like, I have no value. I'm not in any position right now, or I, I don't have, I'm not married. And going places alone was really difficult because I'm fairly young. So sometimes you can be a threat, not for any other reason than you're single. And so I had to really work through those feelings of being alone. And then starting a new business, my, again, my children were very instrumental. I, and I have several friends around me that were so encouraging new friends. I actually made new friends. Something that I did that was really fun that I highly recommend is a sport or a hobby. And in 2015, I attended a church and up on their banner, they had a bicycle group. And I thought, great. I haven't ridden a bike in 30 years. I think I'm going to try that. So I was so excited. Now get this. I have one son that worked for Oakley at the time and another son who was still living at home. And I had these big sweat shorts on and this big giant sweatshirt on and my hair was everywhere. That's a no, no in cycling. (laughs) And so it was sticking out of my helmet. And I, 
I walked downstairs and my and I stuck this big giant townie, which is a um, bike, a cruising bike. It's a beach bike. Yeah. It's not a road bike, which I was I didn't even think about that. But I stuffed. It took me at least 15, 20 minutes to get that big heavy bike into my car. I have a Toyota Four Runner. <laughs> And I did that the night before because it was going to take so much work. And then I came downstairs. I have my tennis shoes on. And my one of my sons was looking at me. His mouth was hanging open like, you are not going out in that outfit. And I and he said that to me. And I said, don't say that. If you tell me that, I'm going to be afraid and I'm not going to do my bike ride. And then my other son said, "You're that's embarrassing. What you're wearing <laughs> is embarrassing. I have no idea that people wear kits or clothes or anything that's unique or different than what I was doing. And I, and I said, don't say that to me. I'm just going to go. He goes, mom, there's going to be a bunch of old people in spandex. I did not even know what that meant either. And I said, I'm going to go. So I got on my bike and I'm sorry, I got in my car and I rode to the place where they were all meeting and I get out of my car and I thought, why aren't any men helping me? You know, I'm lifting this huge heavy bike out with a basket. It's, <laughs> it's good I didn't have a dog, but I did have a basket. So I'm pulling the bike out, and these men are in a big circle, and they're leaning over their bike. They have this cool stance, you know, kind of thing. Yeah. And I'm pulling the bike out and thinking, why aren't they helping me? You know, that's my old school thought. And then um, I wheel my bike over. I don't think they knew what to do with me. I wheel my bike over, looking like a mess. And then I said, do any women, you know, ride here? And they said, oh, yeah, she's going to ride up any minute. She rode about 8,000 miles last year, and I, I had no idea <laughs> what that meant either. I mean, that's two and a half times across the United States if you think about yeah. it. So anyway, a few seconds later, this woman walks up. She rides up, and she gets off of her bike, and she walks over to me, and I, I didn't know what to think or expect. And she looks at me, and she goes, you do not need a lock. What are you doing with a basket? I said, which I didn't know how to respond, so I said, you know you want a basket. And she said, your gloves are on backwards. And then she walks away and says, oh, brother. So I get on my bike and I'm riding with them and I think I'm going to die. I'm breathing so heavy, <laughs> trying to keep up with them. And I worked out all the time, but there's this thing about cyclists. They're in amazing shape. Oh, yeah. So I'm riding this bike down to the beach, which is technically flat, but I thought it was mountainous the way I felt. And I was going eight miles per hour downhill. That's how slow I was. So there was a man riding next to me talking with me because everybody else was gone. And he said he had the electric bike. So every time I'd go up a little hill and I was dying, he's carrying on this conversation. And I'm thinking, I just got to catch up with those guys. And he'd rev his electric bike and he'd go straight up the hill. And I'm thinking, this is not working. I get all the way down to the beach and I go to sit down. I'm so thankful. I have a seat. I sit, somebody buys me a coffee. They felt sorry for me. And then I sit down and then the gal, Debbie, she, she's going to freak because I said her name. <laughs> <laughs> she said, okay, Michelle, get back on your bike and you need to head back because I took so long. <laughs> it was pretty funny. But now I ride quite a bit and I love it. And I've learned not to ride a townie down to the beach and back. And you have the right spandex clothes I and the helmet. <laughs> I do actually. But I, I shared one time that they're like, yoga pants with a diaper because there's like this thing in between the legs it's kind of funny but you know but what you're talking about is is the courage to go out and try something new right. to to try something new as a sport or as a hobby to mix with new people that you've never mixed with before right. um and maybe there might be something about the fact that then when you do that these are people that don't know your background of issues mm -hmm. 
so you can kind of walk away from them for a little bit. Would right. that play into it? Absolutely. And not only that, when you do a hobby like that, you you learn other principles that you can do certain things and you can have that courage. And I'm terrified of heights, but I've climbed several mountains. And, you know, I want to share one quick story in regards to cycling, if that's okay. Sure, please. I, there's a big mountain. It's called Fig Mountain. I'm actually going to ride it this Saturday again. And I went to a training class. Um, Chris Carmichael is a great coach, and he has a program called uh, Carmichael Training Systems. And I attended a week-long training camp, which was amazing because you really don't know what you can do. And I wanted to put a plug in there for coaches, to be quite honest. The thing is, is that, you know, I used to counsel, but now coaching helps lead you forward. And in that situation, that mountain is a very well-known high and steep mountain. And so I got to a place on the mountain where it was really hard. And I felt like I wanted to give up, to be quite honest. I was hot, I was tired, and I didn't think I had it in me to complete that course. And so um, Chris was up on part of the mountain, and then he rode back down about 200 feet, and he rode next to me. He didn't tell me to get off my bike. It's too hard. He didn't say, I'll help you up the hill. He said, you've got this, Michelle. I know you can get up that hill. And then he rode off, and that is all it took to keep me focused, to get me up the next goal. And that small five seconds of his comment has carried me through many situations because I think if I could do that last 200 meters, I can go out and talk to more people or I can go out on a date for the first time after three years or I can have courage to ride in France or whatever. So I think it's important to have people come alongside of you that you don't know. You are exactly right and they can help you. You know, I think the thing that we fight, whether it is a loss of a spouse, that's the worst I can think of, but whether it's a change in a job or moving to a new location or mm-hmm. or the end of a relationship, is we were so comfortable in the role we were in. We've gotten used to it. It's so difficult to face something new. To, mm-hmm. to We've lost the confidence. You know, right. we think, oh, I'm older now. I can't do that. I can't right. just show up there and. Mm-hmm. with my bicycle i need to find out what you're supposed <laughs> right. to wear first <laughs> yeah. right and sometimes yeah. you just have to put your foot out there and take the next step and when i first started the gift business and just going back to that and you asked about the business model in your um statement here but you know i wanted a business model that was going to be shorter than the regular work week so can we work three days a week at full-time pay i mean that's the goal and um everyone feel a part and feel like they can grow themselves and whether they're a mom or if they're 70 or if they're 25 and have no children or whatever what is it that they want and can this business model actually fit in their their um, vision and mission in life as well and so yes I think it's taking the first step and being different being okay with that you know what does your company give you besides an, an income Oh, my gosh. I don't get much of an income, so it's everything else. <laughs> I wasn't going to ask Not right now. I'm still in the building phase. Yeah. I have opportunity, so I don't want to cry, <laughs> so I'm not going to do that. But I have opportunity to help others. I have opportunity to continue to give and to be generous. And I, if I'm not generous, how can I teach others to be generous? So I have, you know... Um, people that work for me that maybe someone else may not want right up front or I can help train them or teach them or give them another opportunity in life. You know, one gal who just started, she's 
um, hasn't worked in a job for a while. And um, I've got some young ones that work for me. She's never had a job either. She does handles all my social media. And so this is her first job and she wants to learn to be an entrepreneur. So she's watching me. Wonderful. Which I, I always talk about this. I don't want to be the bottleneck, but sometimes I am because I'm a little bit on the more creative side. So I have a lot of people who are organized around me. So they, I drive them crazy. <laughs> and so um, it's just the value of watching people flourish. I was backing away from everyone packing and doing some work the other day and getting some things together. And I was just so excited for what we have, you know, this, even if it's a small little business that it's just gives other people opportunity and I get to be generous and I get to give and I get to teach others how to give. And that's just who I am. So one of my sons, my oldest son, actually, he's like, mom, I know this is part of your vision. So you're going to do so well is who you are. And those kinds of statements carry me another, you know, Get you up that six next, months or whatever. Yeah. Yes. They don't realize how valuable those things are. You know, and I think coaches see it all the time, but I think we all should see it uh, more often. And we don't really realize the impact our statements have on people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they can be negative, but so often just a little word of encouragement. Right. It, it, you know, somebody says to you, I know you can do it, Michelle. Mm -hmm. Not a big thing for the person to say that, but to you it was like, whoa, yeah. somebody believes in me. Mm -hmm. You right. know, I'm supported. Yeah. Yes. I, you know, another, the same son, all of them do it. All of them do it. But he called me and he said, I just, I know this is going to sound really strange, mom, but I want to let you know how proud I am of you. That's my son. That's so <laughs> awkward. You know, not awkward. It was a, just, most kids won't do that with their parents, yeah. but for them to encourage me. And then I have another son who lives in Florida. He texts me, mom, I'm really proud of you. Or I just want you to know how proud I am. It's like those kinds of things encourage parents. So it's not just the parents encouraging the children. It's the children encouraging the parents. It's encouraging each other. There's no, it's, forget the relation to old, young, right. child, parent. It makes no difference. It's encouraging each other. I agree. You know? I, I uh, love the whole Southwest um, philosophy, you know, the way they work together and their teamwork. I, I aspire to be like that, you know. They just have such a great philosophy in business. You know, I, I love this radio show. I've been doing the radio show for nine years. I get a lot of enjoyment out of it. When Paul first proposed it to me, I thought it was one of the dumbest ideas I'd ever heard. <laughs> <laughs> and it was reluctantly that I tried it out. Um, but, you know, he was encouraging about it. Mm -hmm. He was, and we, they didn't all go well to begin with, mm -hmm. but we learned along the way. Right. You know, and learn a lot. Somebody was there to encourage. You know, you, I'm, I'm have some more questions, but, you know, I'm sitting here looking at, your notes and you have got notes written all over your type page from top to bottom sideways <laughs> to backwards what is it you really wanted to share here today that i want to make sure i we're not just going to run out of time and i didn't ask you the question that let you get to what you really want to say oh i i i mean i think i'm i'm good but i guess i would have a couple of things to yeah. say and i think be willing to be messy you know be willing to be messy be willing to make mistakes and be willing to ask questions. And I think as far as the, you know, yesterday I was in LA, I think I was sharing that with you and I asked a hundred questions nonstop. I just asked questions. How did you do that? When did you do that? She has 30 years experience. She's in Hollywood and gives amazing gifts to all the community around her. And this includes actors and, um, 
just everybody. And so then another gal, she's in San Francisco, and another gal's in Santa Barbara. So it's like, ask the questions. Be willing to be messy. Be willing to put it out there. Be willing to say where you're failing, and you could use help in that area. And I think that's when I really started understanding coaching was that I, I just need to be open and honest and transparent about where I was so I can move to where I want to be. Mm-hmm. I think we're really afraid of that. We're so afraid of someone's perception of who we are instead of just being who we aren't. And I think I shared with you earlier that I was at a dinner party and this one guy said, uh, Michelle, you just share all your silly stories <laughs> and aren't you embarrassed? And I said, I'm not because that's who I am. And it's, makes for fun and people get to know you and they still accept you and love you you know i think that would be number one and then i think the second thing i'd like to say is take your own advice i think we're really easy you know it's easy for us to sit back and be an armchair critic and i think sometimes we need to look in the mirror and think what have i advised somebody today or what do i criticize the most and do i do those things or do i not do those things or you know take your own advice because it's so easy to see the weakness of everyone or other people's business or just their whatever they're doing wrong that you might mm-hmm. see. Um, but, you know, take your own advice. And you know, you mentioned this trip that you went on to me uh, that uh, you wanted to see how other uh, gifting companies operated. Mm-hmm. And so you picked some really successful, well-known, uh, prominent places to go visit and mm-hmm. ask them all your questions. Right. The sense I got from the story you were telling me was that they were as busy asking you questions mm-hmm. about how you do, uh, how you were developing your business right. as you were asking them. Mm-hmm. So that I think what makes people successful is they never lose that beginner's eye. Mm-hmm. They never That's lose right. that willingness to admit, I don't know it all. Maybe right. you know more than me. Mm-hmm. Show me. Tell right. me. Or it can be different, like the way I design my gifts is entirely different than the way somebody else might design their gifts. And, you know, it's just learning from one another, as you stated. And so they asked me, how did you start? Why did you start? Same kinds of questions you have. And it's amazing how successful some of these gift companies are. Um, And then some want to hold everything back. They don't want to share and communicate they're afraid of competition which competition is there it's true i understand all of that and i don't always want to share everything but the truth is i've learned that others have shared with me so generously so why wouldn't i kind of have to pay it back don't Mm -hmm. we yeah why wouldn't i share so what's your vision for the nifty package company well i have a big vision for the company i mean i want to have a very successful company that hires several women I can hire men. That's not a problem. As a matter of fact, I have a, a young man who um, is interested in working with us. So we're hearing she has a token male employee. <laughs> <laughs> not yet. I'm working on it. I want to see how he does with his design or what he can do. But um, so my vision is to grow the business over the next couple of years to be very successful. I, I'm very big on profit sharing as well. So I want everyone to uh, share in those profits. And then eventually I will sell it. And then... Um, you know, as my coaching business grows, then that can go anywhere. So then I have a little bit more freedom. It's, you know, I'm an empty nester. Everyone's out. When you say successful, how do you define success for Nifty Package Company? I, I would like to see it at a million dollars. I'm okay. not there yet, but I'd like to see it at a million. All right. Is really what I'd like to see. And what do you want to do with your coaching? Um, that I really want to grow. I just like empowering people and helping them and helping them see um, what they can do in the future. And it was quite interesting because 
I just just a gal out of the blue um you know wanted to know if I would coach her and I just really enjoyed it and that was my first experience um really coaching somebody for life over you know just grief coaching Mm -hmm. and I just loved it and it's just a good flow I just enjoy that there's a passion I have for that as well is uh, I have never done any grief coaching or had any training in it. Is it different from what you've observed and experienced in other kinds of coaching? Yes, because now you're facing a new normal where other coaching could be a life issue, can generally be a life issue, but grief coaching can be, you know, somebody's lost somebody through suicide. It can be complicated. It can be, um, you know, you could be a relative of somebody who's done things that were wrong and lost their life, or you can... You know, there's just so many dynamics, children, emotions tied in very with it. much yeah. emotion based. And so you really have to be careful and cautious because I'm not a counselor any longer. I mean, that's not what, right. what I'm doing. So you have to be very careful. But it's kind of, um, it's an exciting thing because you can help somebody face a new normal, you know, and help them grow in it. What else would you advise somebody? Anything else? I would say line up everything you do every day with your values. So if you get overwhelmed with your job or you get overwhelmed with your business, then go back and look at your mission and your values and see if everything you're doing is lining up with that. I would suggest um, write it down if you haven't. Don't just think in your mind, yes, that's something I need to do. Make it happen. There are so many tools we have available, paper, pen, computer, (laughs) apps, everything. And I, I, if people really understood the value of that, that it's, it's just like, it's so simple to say, I want to ride 25 miles and I'm going to go here with that, in that 25 mile parameter of wherever I'm heading. But if you don't know where you're going, you're just going to sit on your bike. So if you have a goal, I want to go to the beach, that's 25 miles. And then I can come back and you have that set up for the day the next day and Mm -hmm. you have it planned out you're just more apt to do those kinds of things and so it's amazing how when you have that you know there's this great old um speaker um zig ziglar oh i loved him oh my gosh people would think because he's it's you know he's passed away i listened to this man over and over again he just and it's so interesting because when he started his own um success story well, at first, you know, he didn't want to get out of bed. He couldn't make another sales call. He just, he was yeah. the last guy in his group. And he remembered his mom saying, get up and, um, you know, I don't know if you know that story, but get yes, up and I've go and um, keep your word. You, that's what you said you were going to do. And he hadn't made any sales in two years. And so he goes to this one last seminar and he's tired of seminars. He's heard them all. And then this one man just happens to pull him aside and he, he's like the lead guy in all the sales and and he said, I believe in you. And that's all it took. In one year, he became the top one or second salesman in that particular, at that particular time. The same time, though, he was overweight. Did, did you read that story? No, I okay. didn't read that. He was overweight. So he said, here I am telling everyone, you can do this, you can be this. And I was not living by example. So he looked at himself in the mirror, and then he thought, I'm going to start tomorrow exercising. So he did, and he started running, and he lost maybe, he had to lose maybe 40 or 50 pounds, but he just made the decision and started doing it, and then he started setting 
goals for himself, and that was, I want to run a marathon, and began doing that. And until he passed, he continued to run. So it's kind of the same with me. You know, I took a trip to France, and I rode the Alps, and I, I didn't even think I could do anything like that because it's wow can be quite difficult or quite steep. But um, Chris and then my own cycling coach, she said, you can do this, Michelle. We're just going to train and have you um, be very well prepared. And so we were on a mission. I had goals every day. She set up goals. And so it's important to have those goals. It's important to have those dreams. It's important to have um, a mission in life because then you can see you've accomplished it. So, you know, I'll just share, I, I saw Zig Ziglar appear at the, uh, at the pond a number of years ago. And I think he was 83 at the oh time, if I remember right. I'm not sure of that, but, but at the time, from my perspective, he was old then mm-hmm. today, he would be young, but then he was old <laughs> <laughs> and they introduced him and he ran up to the stage and he jumped up on the stage. It was like four feet higher oh, or something. Wow. And then delivered this dynamic speech that had everybody on their feet and inspired and ready to go. And <laughs> I thought, you know, there's, there's, you can do this forever. Right. You can do this forever. That's great. It it's great. Amazing. He has that much energy. It's yeah. fun to watch. I watch every old video I can, you know, they're on YouTube. I guess in my other advice, I do, do not watch TV. I have no idea what's on the TV. I watch movies on occasion, but I have no cable. Or anything. People want to know, how do you do all the things that you do? Well, there's certain things you need to cut out of your life. Cycling, I will not cut out of my life. <laughs> Sometimes my kids say, or Mom, if you're ever going to date, you need to stop cycling. I said, no, nope, they need to cycle. So, no, it's it's just, um, I, you know, you spend your time doing what you love to do. So I would say read, and I, you hear it all the time, but it's so true. Listen, you've got plenty of podcasts. I mean, OC Talk Radio, I saw all the different groups they have on their program. That's awesome. And everything, there's so much for free that you can find. You know, I don't know you that well, but the thing that strikes me in listening to this is is woven into everything you've kind of shared with us today seems to be a message that, that I get the sense that you, while you're busy, while you have a lot of ambition, while there's a lot of things you have to do and want to accomplish, that you take time every day for reflection, whether it's your time early in the morning to pray or whether it is to read your mission and vision statement, that you don't let yourself get so caught up in the busyness of the day that you lose track of where you're going. Is, is, would that be? Absolutely accurate. And then the, then the goals that I have remind me of why I'm working to the degree I work. And... And then I can set everything down and spend time with grandchildren or my kids, you know. I mean, I am a working mom, so I'm not a stay-at-home mom. I'm not married, so I have to create a lot of my income, all my income. So um, that keeps me very busy. But, you know, I have a grandchild's birthday. I can set everything down, and then I can fulfill that part of my... You've designed the life that lets you do that. Mm-hmm. It's desi- you've designed a life around what is important to you. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wonderful. Michelle, thank you very much for sharing your story. I, you. I just loved talking to you the first time. I loved hearing <laughs> it again today. Thank and you. It was great chatting with you. I too, appreciate then. you coming in. And uh, before we wrap up, how do people get a hold of you? How do they find out about your coaching, your package company? What? Okay. Um, there's two different websites. Nifty Package Co. is my 
uh, gifting business. And then I also have, it's called the Widow Maven Life Coach um, blog. So okay. I have a lot of coaching information there. And then and t- tells a little bit more about my story with my husband and then what I went through. And then um, so they can email me. There's email addresses on both of those. All right. And then definitely phone numbers as well. Okay. So niftypackageco.com. It's actually niftypackage.co. Okay. Niftypackage.co. Yeah, that's right. I was looking at it going, you left the M off. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't. didn't. It's like all the dot coms are gone. Okay. And then the other coaching site is, again, what is it so I find it? Um, If they type in Michelle Hensley, they're going to be able to find it. So it's called the Widow Maven Life Coach. Okay. And then Instagram, we're on Instagram. They can definitely go there, and that's where a lot of our gifting, all of our current gifting is. Your website is beautiful. Thank you. uh, Boy, I want to send everybody that wants to know what to give me to your website. Your (laughs) gifts are amazing, and thank you for bringing me one today. I can't wait to open it up. (laughs) Thank you. Well, look, uh, thank you for joining us today, and welcome to the Coaching Perspective Radio Community. Thank you. Thank you. This was great. Thank you. I appreciate your time, Doug and Paul. Thank you. Well, look, if you're listening to our podcast, then uh, thank you for visiting our website, thecoachingperspective.com. While you're there, be sure to check out our archives for other shows with other guests. And speaking of guests, we're always interested in hearing interesting stories from from all of you. So if you'd like to be on the show, you can send me an email, Doug at the coaching perspective.com. Or if you're on our website, there's a place to sign up for our newsletter or indicate you would like to be a guest. Well, I hope you've enjoyed the show today. I certainly have. Our goal as always is to have discussions that provide you with new ideas and information that you can put to use immediately to identify and achieve your goals. We'll be back with you again next week at our New time, still new, 3 p.m. Have a great evening. You've been listening to the one show that takes a look at business from a different perspective, The Coaching Perspective, with Master Certified Business Coach Doug DeFeller. 